and welcome to the work print. My name is Robert Gajowski. I am currently a writer on the work print. I am flanked by not only my illustrious guest, Christian, Christian Andalus, but also Norton. Say hi. Hi, hi Christian mm. here. I'm usually hosting these things, so just hi. Oh, Norton's not going to say anything, I guess. I'll speak when I need to. Okay. And on this piece, we'll be talking to and hearing for the better side of the martial law of Watchmen. Brought to you by compliments of the home box office, HBO. Yes, that's what they were called. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, like, Norton, do you remember when they were called that? Yeah, that's how they premiered. That was their whole shtick. It's not, it, what was it? It's not, it's not like, a, I was going to say TV, Showtime. It's HBO. It's not, yeah, it's HBO. But uh, the titled episode called Martial Feats of Comanche Horseship. Horsemanship. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? I actually kind of pulled that back. It's a very long what? title. Yeah. It's based on a painting. It oh, is. cool. Mm-hmm. So in the episode uh, when Angela is at Judd Crawford's house for his funeral or a week or whatever the fuck it is, there is a painting that she passes when she leaves. And that is the painting that is called uh, mm. Feats of Comanche Horsemanship, I think it's called, or Comanche. Horsemanship. What? Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, no, I say it three times fast. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, God, no thanks. (laughs) But yeah, that is the the name of the painting. Mm -hmm. And that is what the episode is titled after. And apparently it's from 1834 and or 5. And it's some dude that like went over to go, I guess, to an Indian reservation or, well, I guess it wouldn't be a reservation at the time, right? No, it was a reservation. I don't know when we fucked them over, so he went there. We fucked them over from, like, when white man stepped on the the ground. We fucked them over. Well, we didn't. Well, we didn't, but I'm saying that they did. Anyway, he goes there, and he he paints this thing because he's like, oh, it's so cool that the one dude just, like, drops down on the side of his horse and kind of uses it as a shield. And I was like, that's fucked up, but, you know. Yeah. I, uh, Christian, do you want to add anything to this? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm here to interject when I can and listen and then, you know, chime in. But for the most part, yeah, no, I agree with you guys. And All right. I... So did you have something else to say, Rob? <laughs> I know I, that's I a loaded to... question because it's you. Yeah, of course <laughs> it is. No, I mean, there is um, now with the horsemanship stuff it's basically saying that Basquiat is in the front of Trump's house who the fuck is Just Basquiat John uh, Michel Basquiat is one of the most prolific painters black painters of all time so if it's kind of like him just saying a fuck you to all black men it's the goddamn same thing what that. the hell are you talking about? 
well, the thing is that they had an Indian or a Native American, sorry, a Native American painting in a white house. It wasn't done by a Native American. It was done. Actually, I did the research. I did the research, too. Oh, shit. It wasn't a Native American. I think this is a Google moment, guys. (laughs) I think that might be. Google this. Yeah. So while well, they well they do... can test over this over Google, I'll entertain people <laughs> as if this was a like a white live broadcast. Person do this. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's even worse. No, it's not. So wait, I'm I'm a little lost now. Who did the painting and why? Hold does it matter? on. <laughs> God, I gotta look this stupid shit up again. I'm curious. Also, let's just. Let's just, I, I just need to throw this out there. Who's covering this show? Is it both of you? Is, are you guys taking turns? Apparently, you were taking, taking turns. turns. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I we're was so under the impression that I was doing it, but no, we're taking fucking turns. I mean, if you want to do it, I mean, it's up to you guys. I'm, no, I I'm just here for fun. Tur- turns are fine. <laughs> no, we like doing this. We're sure? like, <laughs> we like being contentious. It uh, okay. adds to the flavor. George Catlin fucking painted it. He is so, from fucking Pennsylvania. So? Not that that necessarily means he's not a Native American. I was going to say, I think the background. He was an American lawyer, painter, author, and travelizer who specialed, traveler, specialized in portraits <laughs> of Native Americans in the Old West. I was going to say, what's a travelizer? <laughs> he yeah. also researched and documented their views on mouth breathing. What the fuck? Mouth breathing. Oh Why do I God. feel like that's just a Wikipedia joke? Yeah, that's kind of weird. But yes, he is a, as far as I can tell, he's a regular ass white dude who just really liked Native American culture. He went there to study them and then he fucking painted a bunch of Comanche warriors doing some weird horse shit. So wait, if that's the case, then why is that the name of the episode? Uh, So best guess is that, okay, we should probably get into the actual episode. Yeah, yeah, feel free. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so we're going to start this episode off. I'm going to do a little brief synopsis if I can. And it's hard for me because I'm not really great at brief synopsis, but nonetheless, <laughs> we start off the episode weirdly with a bunch of uh, ladies on typewriters. And mm-hmm. it turns out that they're writing this. Well, one of them gets called to the office, and it's a German dude who's dictating to her a letter that they sent. This was a real letter that went out in World War I that was encouraging African-American soldiers to defect to Germany and fight <clears throat> against Americans because at the time they were being treated like shit. You had the Klan, you had uh, Jim Crow law, you had a bunch of other fucks. You know, they, racism, basically. Okay. Yeah. So the Germans were like, hey, what if we get some of the black soldiers to join our side? Which to me is brilliant, honestly. I'm like, that is a pretty good strategy. And actually, I think they said that there was like an op ed or somebody who had criticized American politics, had brought it up and said, like, you realize this whole slavery thing is really going to fuck you over. And they were like, yeah, we're fine. But anyway, that takes us to the whole Adrian Vaught thing, who's not Adrian Vaught yet. uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, please. They fly over papers, and I think this is very clever. The Germans fly over papers that uh, the Americans can read with their own governance that says, you know what, why, if your country is racist for you, why not go for us? Like, Did I not just say Germans. that? 
But you didn't say... Are you say... literally trying to mansplain in retrospect? <laughs> no, I'm not. Because <laughs> it sounds to me like retrospective mansplaining. But, I mean, you didn't say, like, fly over the papers and whatnot. Because it was propaganda. I said they hand... Like, they... Okay, fine. They dropped a bunch of flyers down. The yeah. whole reason yeah. it connects is because that was a flyer that Will's father gets when he's a little boy. He takes mm -hmm. it later on. He uses the back of that flyer to write the message, watch over this boy. And then obviously, yeah. you know, he's killed in the Tulsa massacre. But anyway. Oh. We go Dude, this back. is great for me because this ties everything together. Um, yeah. My head's like half lost in the series. Half the time I'm like, oh, this is really cool. What the fuck does this have to do with Watchmen? And I kind of get distracted and it's like, oh, okay, it ties back. I don't yeah. see how that's one of the same. But uh, hearing you guys recap mm -hmm. it, I can see the threads tying together. So. It's a good show to binge, uh, just because I do feel like it is very... They have a lot of different um, threads going, mm -hmm. but, I mean, that's that's Damien Lilloff or whatever his fucking name is. You yeah. know, that's Lost. He's always done that. Yeah, because, like, watching this week to week, I just I get lost interest. But, but yeah, the sorry. beauty <laughs> is that it's short, so I think that really behooves it, because I will say it really makes them get stuff going. Like, for example... Once we get done with the whole, you know, opening of like, oh, here's how this connects to our particular story, we go back to Angela and her, you know, seeing the guy in the wheelchair underneath her dead boss. Yeah. So she goes, she takes him to the bakery and she interrogates him. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I thought, um, I did make a little note of it. I'll probably bring it up in the article, uh, but... It, I kind of finally noticed, I'll, I'll admit that I didn't actually notice this in the original viewing. Whenever Angela is becomes Sister Knight or, you know, sort of takes on her duties as a cop, the music changes to very mm -hmm. Nine Inch Nails, yeah. like heavy Nine Inch Nails. No, I actually noted that too. That's cool. I didn't yeah. notice that. Like, she, when she takes Will back to the bakery, um, mm -hmm. she chains him to the wheelchair, which is kind of funny. And then she goes in the back and she kind of locks herself in her little back cave and sort of has a moment of just pure She does have it. like a kind of back cave though. She does. She definitely has a back That's cave. That's so cool. It is very cool. She goes back there. She has her moment of grief, sort of, you know, screams the good stuff and everything. And then the music kicks in and she immediately puts on all of her sister night gear and goes back out to interrogate him as a police officer would. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, mm -hmm. once you hear that Nine Inch Nails music kick in, you know business is happening. Like, bitch is getting shit done. Asses will be kicked. Yes, asses will be kicked. Oh, God, yes. All right, so on the bright side, she gives him some coffee, talks to him. He completely mm -hmm. insists that he is the one who strung up the captain. She's like, how the fuck did you do that? You're in a wheelchair, and you're like 100 years old. He's like, I'm 105, and I totally did it. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> she... She is like also like you could be Doctor Manhattan as well. He's like, dude, no, he's on he's he on Mars. He says he could be Doctor. No, Manhattan. he's oh, okay, but and he's she's like, like he's on Doctor Manhattan can't disguise himself as a person, and he's like, why not? Doctor Manhattan because has all kinds of powers. He could be a human. Yeah. So anyway, once that's done, then we cut to. A newsstand with uh, a, like two guys talking and you're seeing the newspapers and they're complaining about Robert Redford and the, the Libstock, Libstapo? 
Libstapo? Something like that. But before you continue, I love the fact that, first of all, they have, like, that where we have reparations in the real world, they have red for rations. First of all, red for dations. And second red of all, I'm pretty sure it's just the derogative term for reparations. No, it is because he says that you pay for my my actual salary with the white nanny, that being the old dude. Hmm. What white nanny? There is a white nanny in that. Like, where the all fuck the are you? Okay, so hold are on. you talking about Jim Beaver sitting outside of their house? Yeah, yeah, he's no. the white nanny. He's he is the white not a nanny. nanny. He is the grandfather of those children. Remember, are her you partner sure? that gets killed on the white night is white. She adopts his children and takes them in as her own. The only logical conclusion is that if he's saying it's his visitation rights and he has them, then he is a grandfather to those children and he wants to see his grandchildren. Okay, maybe I was thinking way too much into this. I thought he was like a white nanny and no, everything was... No, he is their grandfather. He comes to see uh, them. Okay. I'm okay. guessing like, you know, once a month or maybe once every other week or something. I don't. But really know she doesn't like him things. either way. But she does pay him off. Yeah, because she doesn't like him. No, well, understandably, I mean, he's very clearly racist. racist. Yeah, like he doesn't like her for adopting the children. I mean, you got to figure, if you're going to get on a slight tangent on here, you got to figure if you, like, let's say you had a son and he had a wife and they had kids. Mm -hmm. His, like, your son and his wife are both killed. And all of a sudden his partner sweeps up the children and takes them with her. And it's like... Those are my children. Like, those are my grandkids. I have rights to have those grandkids. How the fuck the the grandfather didn't get the grandkids is beyond me because it's like you should have unless there were evidence, unless there's evidence that he was tied to cavalry or something at that point. Or just a general piece of shit. Yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's a reason why he doesn't have these children. And ironically, well, not ironically enough, but funnily enough, at some point later in the episode, which is actually coming up pretty soon in our brief (laughs) uh, (laughs) summary is that um so later on when she goes to the the crime scene as sister night and Mm -hmm. looking glass gets in her car he actually does make a sideline comment about her kids yeah (laughs) now that was surprising to me because i don't really understand what beef he has with her Mm mm-hmm like, yeah, they kind of set it up like the two of them are almost partners, but not really. Everyone in the police force does seem to work solo now that they do the mask thing, even though technically Red Scare and Pyra Jenny always seem to be together. Mm-hmm. But Looking Glass is usually by himself and or, you know, liaisoning with, if not the captain, since he's dead now, Angela. Yeah. yeah. So I found it weird that they decided to set up this odd animosity between them. Despite the fact that later on in the series, they're going to be much more friendly with each other. Okay, uh, sorry, before we continue, let's just say that Angela, a.k.a. Sister Knight, is probably the best black Batman ever. (laughs) I thought Black (laughs) Panther was supposed to be the best black Batman ever. The, the black, best black woman in Black Panther. Uh, ba- black Panther, Black Batman. Yeah, I think Bat you should woman. stop tripping over your tongue over there. Yeah. yeah. 
that was a lot to hold in. She is but. an amazing character, and I think that one of the big reasons why I kind of fell in love with the series just based off the pilot was because of Sister Knight. She carries the show on her shoulders. She is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like to be honest, like like even though I I eventually tuned out, pretty much her and all the original Watchmen mm-hmm. stuff, which seemed like it was about to tie together at some point, but I kind of gave up. That's what really gave me the hook. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I I really wanted to see where we were going with the uh, it with goes the in Ozymandias insane, stuff, and then I wanted to see insane yeah. places. Yeah, and then I, I just wanted to see her every week. But yeah. It's very, it's very good. Um, again, I think Regina King is amazing in this. Mm-hmm. I think she's a hundred percent a star in this. And if it wasn't for her, like this show would not work on as many oh, levels God as it no. does. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, enough Regina King dick sucking, <laughs> which is well earned, girl. Go you. <laughs> yeah, we will suck Regina King's dick any day. What? Any day. Of that... course. What? 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 Weird. <laughs> yes. So anyway, she finally goes to the crime scene. Um, and, mm. you know, again, she has technically tampered with the crime scene at this point, but she's obviously not going to say anything. Yep. She is, you know, experiencing a lot of grief right now. She's very angry. Mm. Uh, Looking Glass explains that, you know, the Judd, or the Judd, that um, the captain was tortured in a way and that he was you know very lynched hurt like before he died which is funny because i would think that you wouldn't really be able to tell as much without an autopsy but i guess if you've been doing it a long time you probably see at least surface level things Mm -hmm. true Mm -hmm. i mean spoiler huge spoiler uh but i would have thought an autopsy would have revealed you know that he was that he hung himself in a funny way mm. but yeah. mm. actually spoiler for the next episode sorry uh <laughs> they don't get to an autopsy uh we'll get to the next episode the next episode is way better i mean the only person you're spoiling at this point is just me i'm just like oh. <laughs> let's go spoilers christian even though you I should know. be watching i'm just like things. okay yeah let's let's get there because i i have no idea what you guys okay dorton uh, uh, uh could we talk about one of the coolest things in this in the episode which is the what is it the the center uh yeah actually yeah we can go back on that one um we'll pause our brief summary which is turning out to be horribly not brief at all but that's fine (laughs) um yeah so the cool thing and actually this raises a good question uh in terms of how large the world in this particular universe is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, so when Angela gets the coffee cup from Will, she takes it to the Greenwood Center for, oh, what is it called? I wrote it down too, because I was uh, like. Yeah, I wrote it down too, too. Yay, know. us and our note taken. <laughs> oh, we're so good. Oh, because she takes, that's why. That's why I didn't get to it yet, because technically she takes it after. They go to Nixonville. The, and do the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage. Heritage. Why yeah. are you... Can you read? Is that a thing you can do? Apparently I can't. <laughs> Words are it's complicated. Your own notes. Yeah, the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage. Anyway, so. yes. So Angela takes it there. And apparently what this is, is this is a center that is designed to educate people on the Tulsa massacre that happened. Mm -hmm. The 1921 destruction of Black Wall Street, otherwise Mm -hmm. known as Greenwood. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think amazingly, it is run by Henry Louis Gates. Yeah. Yeah. And he is. is, so I know him best from PBS, which is kind of funny, mm-hmm. but he is, uh, apparently a Harvard professor. Yeah. In the show, he gets, he gets made the first black treasury secretary, I believe it is. Yeah. And you know who's obviously president? Robert Redford. Yes, we've mentioned that several times. I know. I just like to hear my name. Really? Robert. Yes. But I hope there's yeah. a Robertville in the future. <laughs> Apparently anyway, there will be. We're, although it'd probably be uh, Redfordville. Redfordville. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. So um, I think the amazing part about this is the fact that you have a black man who became treasury secretary. So now he's, he has the power and the ability to grant uh, people of this station of African-American descent who are directly descended from, I'm going to assume any sort of racial violence of no. the past. No, no, only no, of but Tulsa. See, this, is, this is my point though. So my point is that you have, since this takes place in Tulsa, these people are granted reparations based on if they are genetically related or descendant from people who were killed in the massacre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if that means that over the hall, like over the entire United States, that means that they did it for oh, slavery. Oh, okay. Too. So you think there's other stations in other cities? Yeah, no, I'm wondering if they did a national reparations or if, in your case, they did it state by state, in which case some states probably wouldn't have oh, to pay reparations. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That would have to be like, goddamn. I mean, the, that's the, the, one of the things that kind of itches at me with the series is the fact that it does take place entirely in Tulsa. So it is this microcosm series. Mm-hmm. That yeah. very occasionally steps outside to other states, but very rarely. And I think really the only other state it goes to is New York, if I remember right. And of course, Slightly. what is it? Fucking um, Europa? It's one of the moons of Jupiter. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Europa. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the uh, orbiting moon around Jupiter. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> uh, I was going to so... say, how do you guys know off the top of your head? It's like, oh, by the way, that's an orbiting moon around <laughs> Jupiter. Uh, I pay attention when they say things. <laughs> I like science. I don't. I'm just I do like, like, oh, there are, th- there are places and things. But yeah, I, <laughs> and I, I, I like watch Heavy Jeopardy. It's occasionally a, a clue. Well, yeah. there you go. Anyway, so one of the things that I said like itches me about the show is the fact that because it is such a microcosm of a plot, like it only takes place in the one place. You kind of wonder, it makes you wonder, like, what happens in all the other places that exist in this universe? Because Mm -hmm. if it is that Robert Redford allowed Henry Louis Gates to give reparations to black people, then the question becomes, so did pretty much all the descendants of slaves, because one of the tiny, I don't really want to say benefits because that's the wrong word, but one of the useful parts of slavery being a... Uh, established thing at the time was that we have records of it. So we have records of these people's names. We have yeah. records yeah. of, you know, proper yeah. lineages yeah. here and there. Yes, the families got separated, so it's not a perfect thing. But I'm guessing there's enough of it for if the government wanted to, they could sit there and say, okay, 
we can start with something. We have some, you know, auction ledgers here that we can work off of and go back from. And they go cooler with that because if you were to submit some part of your DNA, in this case, uh, I think it was a coffee mug. She submits the coffee mug for DNA testing. She she swabs the lip where her, Will drank. Yeah, and they give her an actual what is it? A it's a an acorn, I believe. That's later. Oh, That's another episode. Okay. Okay. But in okay. this episode, she just swabs it and she gives the name, and then the Henry Louis Gates uh, bot basically says like. All right, we're going to look at the DNA and we're going to see if anybody fitting this DNA is, you know, existing. And if they do, then they are entitled to reparations. But here's the part that makes me think that everybody who was descendant of slaves in general got reparations because when earlier in the first episode, when Angela is at the school and the little racist kid is like, oh, did you pay for that with your red predations? We don't know whether the little kid means that all black people, he's assuming, got red fredations because it's, you know, a white fragility thing. Or does he mean sincerely that, you know, she would get them because mm. do we know that she got them Good because point. she was descendant of slaves? Or do we know that she didn't get them and now she's going to get them because she happens to be descendant of a Tulsa massacre sufferer? Oh, good point. Oh, so it's either tied to, it could be specifically tied to just the Tulsa Massacres. Well, the other part of it, the the wider, the wider net would be that you could technically get reparations twice then because you could get it as a victim of slavery in your history. But then also, if you happen to be tied to a person who maybe suffered a great uh, racial tragedy, you know, a la the Tulsa Massacre, would you get a second reparations check then? If you lived in some other state where, like, let's say North Carolina, yeah, where they the financials Congress have people, to. Would you get another reparations check? Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm just going to rewind a little bit uh, because that revisionist history kind of of when they said Greenwood was, what was it, like the, the Black Wall Street and stuff? That's like not that. revisionist history. That's true. Oh, was it actually? Cause, yeah. Okay. Actually, that's the whole reason they got attacked, assumedly. The the belief is that um, the local uh, white supremacists realized that this was becoming a thriving African-American kind of oh. colony, if you will. Okay. And they got extremely, you know, as white people do, as racist white people do, they get very freaked out and they're like, nope, can't have this. So supposedly... There was a there was some kind of incident that happened on an elevator that triggered everything. And really? nobody knows exactly what happened on the elevator. Somebody says that, you know, a guy tried to like a black guy tried to rape a white woman. Uh, that seems to be the pervasive. Oh, that's guy. like the t- ticking off point. Right. That was the trigger. And then once that happened, uh basically mobs of white people came and destroyed the town into the point where it was government sanctioned because the, the, um, what are they called? The national guard got called in yeah. and they yeah. fucking like carpet bomb the place. And this actually that, happened, right? This like, happened. Yeah. This is oh, a real oh, thing. It's yeah. fucking awful. Yeah. This is one of the, like, and you know, again, kind of the, the sad, funny part of it is that 
you have Watchmen that's bringing this to light, but before, I think it's before Watchmen happens, you have Trump who wanted to have his, one of his rallies in Tulsa, in Greenwood, or I don't know if it was in Greenwood exactly, oh, yeah. but it was in Tulsa like, something on, on the exact yeah. anniversary of the yeah. massacre. It's like, dude, read the room. Like, Although to you can't the day. read anything. So, <laughs> so he, you know, he got in a lot of trouble for that. And a lot of people were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like you're oh, having a MAGA rally at the site That was very intentional. This. I'm sure it was. I'm sure mm-hmm. it so was. But it, the thing is that there's the old guy that we know now. Do we know who he is? Because what are you she talking swears... about? Well, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but the guy in the wheelchair. Oh, so, um, no, we'll save does, that for Revelations. We'll, we'll save that for when it actually comes out. But um, No, but, I mean, she questions still if he did the lynching himself. The I mean, lynching of uh, a white guy. You have to remember that at this point in the series, you as an audience only know what they've shown you. So... When she, so let's get back to the summary very briefly. Uh, So Angela goes to the funeral for her boss. She goes to like the wake. And when she's there, she faints and she winds up going upstairs. And while she's Mm -hmm. upstairs, she goes to check out his closet because Will at the time had told her he has skeletons in his closet, that the the Judd guy had skeletons in the closet. So... She took it very literally, and she literally went, and she put on these kind of cool uh, x-ray glasses, and she goes into his room, uh, you, and... No, did you realize that they were might they might be night owl glasses? I kind of figured they might be, just because of the style. And she kept, like, switching them, like, uh, on Yeah, I mean, or... I, I kind of think that was, again, very, like, if you ever saw um, National Treasure, what he has the... Batman would be fucking jealous of those. What? Yeah. (laughs) I said Batman would be fucking jealous of those glasses. Yeah. I mean, Batman probably has a pair, let's be honest. Yeah, but, I mean, they were so fucking cool, though, because, like, they switched different lenses and on and off. Wow. Did these electrical glasses turn on and off? Well, no, I mean, on and then, (laughs) yes, they do. Yeah, but, dude, it's, again, it's an alternate universe with higher tech than we have. It's not really that surprising. Again, National Treasure had the Benjamin Franklin glasses that when you change the lenses, they showed you different shits. But, I mean, did, did Ozymandias at that time, back in when he was in his prime, have that technology to give to Night Owl? Why do you think Ozymandias made it? I would think he was the smartest man in the world, I guess, at the time. Yeah, Yeah, but I thought Night Owl did all his own shit, like designed all his own tech. No, I think you're right. He did to some extent. So I'm not sure. Um, No, it's a good question, actually. I don't don't know. All right. Well, anyway, yes, we're going to assume that Ozymandias, smartest dude in the world, (laughs) can figure out how to do x-ray specs on the coolest level ever. Yes. It's 2019, Rob. Grow. In 2019. Okay. Anyway, while she is in the, his room, she uses the glasses to find a hidden compartment that has a bust in it. And when she opens the door, 
She sees a clan robe. Aghast. Yes. Now, this is very shocking for her because, one, this person that she doesn't know who claims to have killed this man that she was friends with has told her that this man that she was friends with, who he claimed to have killed, has skeletons in his closet. And then, lo and behold, there's a fucking clan robe in there. You as the audience at this point in the series are more inclined to believe that somebody has planted this clan robe rather than to assume it's his. True. True. Because the way that Judd has presented himself, the way that Angela relates to him, the way that he relates Mm -hmm. to her and her family leads you to believe that he is not a bad guy. He is not a racist. How could he be? I know. He's a family guy. Well, you can be a family guy and a racist. (laughs) <laughs> that's true but i mean they're led you to believe that oh he's okay i guess but no he's not yeah no i, I like the the misdirection uh in that sense mm-hmm. um because i if if like as somebody who hasn't doesn't know fully where this is gonna go yeah, no, absolutely. I I wouldn't assume he was evil whatsoever, especially because he seems like such a good father figure to her in a weird way. Or, I don't know if father figure is the right word, but, you know. No, like, yeah. father figure is the right word. Okay. Yeah. So, you have to remember, this is also the episode where we learn about kind of a little bit of her history with him in terms of we flash back to her and Calvin on Christmas Eve, uh, however many years ago it was, and then they get attacked by the cavalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one comes in, shoots uh, shoots at her. She manages to dodge. She manages to kill him. And then mm-hmm. another one shoots her point blank in the chest and is about yeah. to kill her when she blacks out and we wind up with her waking up to who else but yep. Judd. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's this man who informs her that her partner has died, who informs her that Pretty much all of the force is either dead or has decided to leave because of what happened. And that when she decides to stay and says that she's not going to be scared off, he's the one who says, then I will stay with you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So it does build a very strong bond for them. And it does, like, I mean, all that happens before we find out about the clan robe, which is very important in terms of pacing, because now you have a reason to invest in him way more than you did before. And oh, you go, God, yeah. Oh, what, how the fuck did it, what does the clan robe mean? Like, when I originally saw it, I kind of thought to myself, like, okay, this is one of two things. Either he secretly is a racist and he's just a very good actor, or he, like, it's a family heirloom of sorts and he keeps it hidden away because obviously it's a shameful family heirloom, but it is still technically a family heirloom. It's mm-hmm. fair. So, I mean, to me, and I'm sure other people who watched this at the time made excuses, too, where they were kind of like, oh, well, it must be because of this or it must be because of that. I don't think a lot of people were willing to say, oh, fuck him. He's just a racist in disguise, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just facing you right in the face, you know. Yeah. And I mean, and you don't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a subtle show. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it's not. If it's going to show you a guy peeing in a corner, it's a guy peeing in a corner. There's no mystery here. Yeah, no. it's not lost. It's like the polar bear, they're not in the North Pole. It's, no. Yeah, yeah none exactly. Of that stuff. None of that shit. Like, he's not trying to put out 
jellyfish stings. He's just peeing in a corner. Trust me. There you go. It's just a pervert. Why are we going on peeing in a corner? <laughs> jellyfish it's fun stings. And it, it works. Of course. Of course it works. Anyway. But anyway, um, <laughs> so we're going into... So all the shit goes down. Now, Angela slash Sister Knight goes back home. They're playing kind of like, I guess, Halloween things oh like, yeah did you i don't know if you got that that was a nice little easter egg the 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 owl the ghost pirate ship i just got the owl no they play ghost pirate ship what is that i figured it was a little nod to the comic within a comic in uh, Watchmen. Oh, oh 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 wow i did not get that okay wow all right kudos to you I mean, that's what I saw. I don't know if that's no, what no, they no. Meant, I but... think I think that's what they meant because every single scene in this series is like a, a little bit of an Easter egg. So, yeah, they do that, but we finally meet, really meet her husband, Calvin, or John. Dot dot dot. Calvin, don't spoil it yet. I said dot, dot, dot. Yeah, you, you're not very subtle either. <laughs> I know. Now there's Calvin. God, you are the worst. <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, she, she breaks the news that their quote-unquote Uncle Jed is dead. And Okay, no, 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 no. I got to stop you right now because I don't even know what the fuck you're doing right now. Hold what? on. What? <laughs> <sighs> yes, he does she break goes the home news. and Calvin is playing with the children. Later on... Topher is alone in the bedroom playing with mm, some no, weird you're skipping ahead. floating block. No, you're skipping ahead. No, I'm not. You are. I am not. I oh. wrote it fucking down. Like, and as it I happened. wrote it down too, but No, go ahead. you wrote it go down ahead. wrong. Go ahead. She tells Topher alone that the guy is dead. No, she tells the father first. The father already knows. Well, she has to tell him. So. She doesn't tell him anything. Calvin yeah, already she does, knows. But Calvin again, knows about Will. Because he go asks ahead. her whether she arrested him yet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yes! are you okay? Is Jean okay? You're both not. So. What the fuck I are you talking about? The actual dialogue. Fuck the dialogue, dude. I know, I know what happens in the damn show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go along. Yeah, she talks to Calvin about it. Calvin mentions that they're having the wake, which happens after all this, which we've covered already. And that's when he says, yeah, she sounds like she's shitty, which you sound like you're shitty. Are you happy about your fucking dialogue? Wait, what? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Then we cut to Angela talking to Topher, who's playing with some weird magnetic... Like Legos or some fuck. Not magnetic. They are. They It literally says on the box. They're like magnet Manhattan Legos or some shit. Oh, because it's like Dr. Manhattan. Yes. That's cool. Oh, I thought yeah. he actually had powers. He doesn't have powers. You keep saying this. I told yeah. you when we watched yeah. it, he doesn't have powers. It's just some fucking weird techno shit for kids. I mean, Manhattan was doing that on Mars in the first movie, or in the Watchmen comic and movie, so that kind of makes sense. 
in the so I tried pausing it several times and I just couldn't get it because the fucking screen goes dark when you pause it. But the mm. box does say magnetic Manhattan blocks, I believe. Ah. Uh, so okay. they are it is a special kind of toy. That makes sense. Although it's weird cuz when he gets mad and he like smashes the building, everything looks like it just falls into shards. So I don't know what Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, after that scene, though, immediately my first reaction was, was why, why doesn't she tell him to pick it up? Like, <laughs> just, um, I know he was emotional and shit, but I was like, dude, fuck you. Pick, I mean, a <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think part of it is because she's also having that little rage grief moments. I mean, you got to remember when she drops Will off in the bakery, she goes back in the back cave and kind of screams a little later yeah. on when uh, the the police force goes to Nixonville to round up the usuals and basically take everyone in. Uh, yeah, she essentially eventually loses her cool and just beats the fuck out of someone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she leaves to go drop off the mug at the heritage center in order not to kill somebody while she's doing her job. Well, yeah. Hold my, <laughs> it's not hold my beer. It's hold my mug. So kind I can of. kick this ass. Well, she doesn't, I mean, Again, she's she's the one who's trying not to be reactive. Uh, Red Scare's the one who's like, let's go uh, fucking yeah. beat up those white supremacist assholes. And she's kind of like, I don't know if this is the best idea. And even later when she's at the place with them and they're all sort of inciting the, the mob, her and Looking Glass are kind of standing to the side, sort of staying out of it as much as they can until obviously somebody <laughs> comes to attack Looking they're Glass. They're like, you know what? We're going to just let you him. do your thing. We're not going to be here right now. I am turning a blind eye. So we'll let you do your thing. Well, not a blind eye so much, but she's more like, I if I attack somebody, I'm going to go over the edge, which she does. Mm-hmm. She does. So I think that's why she kind of gives Topher a bit of a forgiveness. Now, what I will say is I don't think she should have let what happened next happen because that was madness. But Which basically, Topher what? asks if he can watch television. And she's like, sure. <laughs> Why? And what does that television turn out to be? Uh, okay. <laughs> American Hero Story. Yes, which has American a Hero Story. Yep. Ridiculous disclaimer at the beginning of it. Yeah. It's that is literally amazing. like nobody should ever watch this. It is uber violent, uber sexist, uber racist. It's just fucking off and wrong, and everything about it is the worst. And yet, that's exactly what HBO is known for. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That and I thought, I kind of thought that that was almost sort of like the makers of this show kind of giving the finger to Alan Moore. Yeah. You think so? Yes. Because that's, Alan Moore has complained multiple times about the fact that after he wrote Watchmen, all these people came out of the woodwork and started writing more violent, more provocative versions of it. And he was like, I don't know why. I don't know. I think it would and be paying like, homage. Did you read Watchmen? Watchmen's pretty yeah, I've fucking read violent. It through and through. It's no, no, not Watchmen's a incredible. nice, friendly comic. It's not like nothing that anyone has done since Watchmen has been, to my, in my opinion, any more violent than Watchmen was. Oh, no. There, there's been a lot worse in the 90s. Yeah. And even now. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Gar- Garth Ennis is known for that shit. Oh, um, he's totally. really over the top, and oh, we love, he really uh, goes there. I've done Preacher. I've yeah. done the episodes of Preacher, and those are uber violent. Yeah. But yeah, 
okay, but still, I feel like Alan Moore should kind of be like, that's what happens. When you create a base, <laughs> people escalate from there. I agree with you on that. Like, like he... you should not be surprised about that. So I think the little American hero story is almost like their fuck you to Alan Moore saying like, yes, and it's going to keep happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. See, I, I don't know if it's a fuck you as much as it is like an homage to the ridiculousness that this kind of became. Exactly. I, I, I think the same thing. Because I don't think there's a malicious intent here. To be honest, it's even it's you can't even you can't even say fuck you to Alan Moore because you know why? You know why? He, he doesn't even th- care. He would just say thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did my job, if that's the it case. Is. And it's like, Ugh. yeah, what a he, piece of shit. It, maybe it's it's more like I don't. He doesn't really give a shit about people. That's the that's the greatest thing about him that makes us. Or at least that's why I'm fascinated with him personally. Because you know, the, the you, fame, the Alan money. Moore, you have two fans. None of the, yeah, none of that shit really matters to that guy. It was just, you know, everything's fucked. That's kind of his whole point of writing. <laughs> then maybe he shouldn't complain when people write about everything is fucked to a higher degree. A hundred percent. Like, I, I think that's bullshit that he is complaining about that. But at the same time, I think he, he he's allowed to say these things only because he never took a paycheck. He never sold out. So it's like... If, if if integrity and opinions all he has, then fuck it. I guess let him have it's it. It's not integrity. Sense. He got fucked over. It's not like he rejected. No, 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 no. Paycheck. He he re- he legit rejected those deals. He rejected it because he yeah. didn't like it with terms. Yeah. So that's not really rejecting it. <laughs> well, his uh, terms are on principle. Kind of... On principle. Dude, he intended to make a prequel and a sequel comic to Watchmen, mm-hmm. and then when fucking DC was like, okay, we'll pay you. We'll give you the rights as long as you do the thing you said you were already going to do. And then he's like, well, if you want it, then fuck you. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. On principle. Fuck principle. Principle don't well, pay the bills. Well, that's the thing is he, he wants it to be his comic because he sees his comics in a very particular it, way. Exactly. Like you and I as writers, we know but, what we want to do as writers. I, yeah, but there's a difference between us and, and him. He had the opportunity to to sell his thing, and he did. Yeah, he just he said, "Fuck it." I yeah. if that's the case, I want nothing to do with this. Don't even pay me; just take it. And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. no, fucker, I would never do that." Uh, <laughs> it's like if you're gonna take my true. shit, better very fucking true. pay me. <laughs> so we're gonna go back into this. Uh, anyway, yeah, so we yeah. we go into older Ozymandias right now on horseback. Uh, that He's is a... what? Uh, yeah. Older Ozymandias. Well, he... yeah, because at that point, so after the American Hero story thing, we go to Angela at the Wake, which we already know how that ends, and then yes, we go to Ozymandias, who we don't know is Ozymandias yet, who has finished his play. Yes, the I Watchmaker love this son. so much. I got yeah. This is the moment where I was like, okay, this is Watchmen again. Because yeah. like, while I I was intrigued what was happening with Sister Knight, mm-hmm. I just I just wanted to see how this tied together. And this was the moment that I was like, okay, now now there's a there's a thread here I'm missing, which mm-hmm. we'll get into. But I mean, the fact that he has fine specimens, two fine specimens of people that can just. Just do the play. And he is reenacting the moment that Dr. Manhattan... It's kind of masturbatory. 
Dr. Manhattan 100%. becomes Dr. Manhattan. Well, I mean, they're like, actually fucking gorilla guy. <laughs> well, yeah, that 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 still can. I mean, I I know where it's going because I you know, we'll watch the head and and spoilers and stuff. But like, uh, that moment. How do I phrase it? Um, it's can it's it's jarring to the audience the way it's paced because it's like okay, mm-hmm. this is all familiar. We know this, but who are these players? And yeah. like you, you guys mentioned, like the 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 series works because it's a slow burn reveal if yeah. you can stay for the ride. Um, but where that moment was very quote unquote, as you say, masturbatory, is his obsession because we don't know who he is yet, but we kind of know. No, we just not officially. Uh, we don't f- confirm it until a couple of episodes later. But his obsession with Doctor Manhattan and 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 that whole incident of him, you know, becoming mm-hmm. who he is, is because um, if prior to Manhattan. Ozymandias was the greatest, as far as he's concerned, and, you know, there's nothing to disprove it. He was the greatest being on the planet. He was the greatest yeah. human being, the peak of physical yeah. potential, the most brilliant mind in the world, only to be foiled by literally this god. And mm-hmm. to him, so, it's, it's, yeah. never, it's, ne- it's a moment that he's never let go of. So he's kind of obsessed with yeah. that. So it makes I mean, sense. What could you do further than be onanistic than birth a god? If you feel yourself as a god, like, oh, my God, I birthed this god. I gave life to this person while killing him in in an inordinate amount of flames. The, this is like fucked up. It's it's fucked up. I don't I, think he he is responsible for creating Manhattan, though. It's just that Manhattan was the thing that that put him in his place. So no, because of yeah, that, he's he, sort of become obsessed with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, he's everyone so weird, He does finally get to taste a little bit of Manhattan's power through the use of his clones, as it were, because he gets to finally play God. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I think who doesn't to want him, to play God? That is the part that he really loves, and that he can kind of learn a little bit of, like, okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that if you're the most intelligent person in the world and you don't get to become a god, you kind of feel slighted in a weird way. But you also kind of probably think, all right, well, if I was a god, this is what I would do. This is how I would be. And it's possible because, again, we don't know how long he's been in this place. We don't know, um, at the time at least, we don't know who put him there. We don't know... If he created these clones, and like we're assuming he created these clones, so the idea is kind of that, like, here he is in this almost video game sandbox world that mm. he can sort of run yeah. the way yeah. he wants to. He can make them say whatever he wants, he can make them do whatever he wants, and they are happy to do it for him. 100%. Like, they don't die unwillingly. They're not sitting there going, like, oh, I can't believe you burned him alive. She's just like, he's like, oh, I want you to cry when he dies. And she's just sort of like, right, of course, I have to cry now because I've been told to cry. <laughs> yeah. it's not- he's That's also the world's worst playwright. So, <laughs> Well, it's also, let's not forget, this is post, like, Watchmen. So this is yeah. his victory world. Like, yeah. I, I guess uh, for anyone who's tuning, like myself, who tuned in after all the, the events, it's like, what does what does he do having gotten everything that he wanted and yeah. this is his weird fucking heaven and paradise he doesn't, like, why and you the know? thing is that he doesn't even get pleasure from it 
He's kind of like, all right. Yeah. Like, let's do it over. Rewind scene. Which is, I guess that's the hook, right? It's like, well, you yeah. got everything. Why is that's like everything's kind of pitch perfect too perfect if anything too perfect why why yeah. is this so fucking disturbing and why the fuck are you obsessed with manhattan still and reenacting this shit with these poor people um uh, and it, it works it works and i mean the funny thing is like when you watch the first when you watch this in order the very first time a lot of it is sort of like you you do have that reaction to it you're kind of like what the fuck have like why is he doing this why is he doing that why is he like this but if you think about it in the context overall once the series is done and you know how everything's gonna go everything he does like now that i'm watching it on repeat everything he does is purposeful and you kind of understand why he is the way he is and why he treats his servants the way he does and sort of like what he's working towards because i think with ozymandias the key is that he's he's never particularly happy with just like i don't think success exists for him in the traditional sense oh no <laughs> i agree like, uh, he has kind of like yeah. rob's problem and i'm sure to a degree <laughs> your own problem christian where it's like, like the artist problem that bar keeps moving and moving and moving so there's never <laughs> you never cross the finish line i i do empathize with the never crossing the finish line but the difference between us and ozymandias is that guy believes that he's the fucking greatest i yeah. acknowledge that I'm a giant piece of shit. No, I, you know what? To you and me both, man. You and there we me go. Both. See, it's that like artist thing where we're like, if you accomplish something, you're like, I'm at the top of the world. But then a couple of seconds later, you're like, I ain't worth shit, man. Exactly. One of my favorite quotes from uh, from Ozymandias was like, and then Ozymandias, or uh, then Alexander the Great wept because he realized mm-hmm. there were no worlds left to conquer. And I'm like, yes. you are so full up your own asshole, bro. Yeah, and exactly. that's why, like, when when the Manhattan shit happened mm-hmm. in the original, I loved yeah. that. I was like, ah, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we then we go back to the holding room. So the holding room has what's his face, the old dude. Are you talking about Will? Well, you're talking uh, about the bakery. Yeah. Yes. And we return we, to the bakery. We return where to the Will bakery. is making eggs. He has freed himself from his handcuffs. The magical yeah. how, which I don't think ever actually gets explained. What do you know the thing about the eggs though? That he's making eggs. Yeah. What they about it? Around, they come around. I'm not gonna tell you right now. The but, eggs. Yeah. Oh eggs. yes. Yeah, fine, okay, you and your fucking eggs. <laughs> but um, it, I'm going to say, speaking of eggs, Angela actually grills him. And the, eggs... There's no such thing as grilled eggs. No, I'm, I'm saying... <laughs> I'm saying he grills a guy. I, that one works for me because the visual image just... Yeah. Like, you're like, yeah. grilled eggs. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. You're right. No, that makes no stupid. fucking Nobody sense. grills eggs. She grills, yes. she grills so the guy. When she finds the, the clan robe, she does question him as to, like, you know, what the fuck's going on? Like, did you put it there? Because it was way easy to find. She gets and, a phone call, and that's when she discovers that Will is her grandfather. <gasps> Luke Skywalker moment. Spoilers! Yeah. And she also, or he also says that I have, and this might be a spoiler, might not be. But he says, I have friends in high places. Well, because she finally decides to arrest him. And he's like, 
you know, good luck with that. And that's when she takes him out to the car. She puts him in her car and she's about to put the wheelchair in there when the car gets, for lack of a better word, abducted by aliens, pretty much. At least as I far love as the that scene because I'm just like, what the point. fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, that was very much one of those what the fuck moments. Yeah. Well, it, that was weird because like it kind of reminded me of like when you put that uh, the the magnet uh, the magnet on what is it like one of those uh, bottle things the bottle opener not bottle openers but what in the love of God are you trying to on a beer opener? Yeah, like yeah, a magnetic opener. Too. Oh, a can opener. Can opener, yeah. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I, I thought you were going to go with when you go to a junkyard and they lift one of the cars up. Oh, actually, you know, that would have been better. Yeah, that, I, I think know, that's, that's literally what it, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I also find it interesting that when the egg timer rings, her phone rings as well. Like, everything in this series is well-planned out and well-written. I mean, again, it helps that it's only nine episodes. It does. That's the beauty of a short season, is that you can make things tight and precise and do a beautiful interwoven story that has all these weird niche things that you can go back and watch again if you want to because it's only nine episodes. Mm -hmm. It's not going to kill you to watch nine episodes as opposed to, say, 20 fucking four. (laughs) <laughs> you're yeah, so oh you're so like done with that i really i'm so tired of long fucking seasons i, I want this I mean, not to happen as anymore. a screenwriter i am too like just keep it to like oh, 10, what are you 12. saying you can't say that that's that's guaranteed money and like down the line no but i mean you're just denig- you're denigrating your time as a writer <laughs> that's true uh, <laughs> but surviving no, but as a writer yeah, is also no, very I, hard. I get it too i get it yeah it's the alan moore syndrome it's like do you want to be alan moore or do you want to be a paid writer <laughs> exactly uh, you know what or, so a well a well-paid beautifully never put, been paid for anything beautifully in his put. life what's up i find it hard to believe that alan moore has never been paid for anything in his life just he's because he doesn't get paid? residuals doesn't mean he's not getting paid well, yeah, that's what I was say. He's getting paid, but he's never moved out of his hometown. Like mm. he's, he lives a very basic, simple life. And Maybe if he, he did get that. paid a fraction of those residuals, he would be rich as fuck. But he chose yeah. not to. And you're right; he does like that. It's his choice to be insane. It's yeah. his choice to be. You know what? I'm gonna live on the English countryside, and that's it. No, I'm pretty sure getting blown by fanboys every day is perfectly fine for him. He can make a lot. I mean, so. it's fan people. Let's be fair. Oh, fine. Fair <laughs> very enough. open to True. just about any der- like deranged thing you can imagine. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> also, um, we have to kind of suss out what the what will is. And oh my god! The man someday it, finish that sentence. I'm so going on it. Slowly the man it's standing in front of her getting is it out. <laughs> yeah. She wants to. I I feel like I'm uh what's his face? Well uh I, I don't know. Um she wants to know why he's here. So he wanted to meet her. Will wanted to meet Angela. Why is this? Because he's her grandfather. That's what you find out. 
That's what I literally said like five seconds ago. <laughs> like what the? Do you but, have listen? That's, that's, that's what we opened the, uh, the the ending passage with. But yeah. Yeah. But. What? Or the ending scene, I should say, not passage. Yeah. Well, one of the beautiful things in one of the last ending scenes is that she realizes this, and then she has to put him into the car. Now she realizes that he's disabled. So at some point, and maybe he's it's not disabled. Like, he's just old. Well, he's one hundred and five. Yeah, mean, he's one hundred and five. I think the whole reason he uses a wheelchair is just because he's fucking old. Because yeah. later on I, well, in the series, he does walk. Spoilers. To be able to walk at that age is incredible too. Just throwing it out there. But yeah. I think you're kind of being a dick right now. Me? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. You. About what? About him being old. What do you mean? D- dude, no, he's 105. He's 105. Yeah, exactly. He says it. You're, like, you're being a dick, but in any event. How am I being a dick? In any event. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'm confused. I, like... Even Christian yeah, doesn't know he, why you think I'm a dick. Yeah, because like old, like I, my grandma was 99 when she died, and she couldn't walk. And like I'm just, I'm amazed that like to be that age and not and be able to do anything even even have like a monologue and shit to, to I mean he doesn't have any kind of like assistant or anyone helping him but he shows up fully dressed pretty much which means uh, no, he no, had to get himself dressed n- and then no, get himself Norton, into the wheelchair n- no Norton you were saying that fuck him he can't walk no I didn't you were just, you were just saying that no I didn't okay what were you saying then I said he's 105. He probably uses the wheelchair because he's old. Later on in the series, he does walk. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. What I was saying, if you would let me finish, Norton, please, is that I thought one of the most beautiful and mm, I'm not going to say heartbreaking moments, but moments that swelled my heart is a moment that... uh, Angela picked him up from his wheelchair and put him into the passenger side of the seat. Because in order to do that, you have to actually hold them. And you actually have to hold, like, hug them. And just her eyes. And maybe it's just me, but I thought that it was just a beautiful moment. She's going yeah, no, to take him I, I to be arrested. What's up? She arrests him. Yeah, but yeah, it, but the, she the, did have to hug him and hold him while yeah. she put him in the car. Like it, they intentionally shot it, so that it was a, definitely a sentimental beat. Yeah, but it, yeah. it was an ambiguous sentimental beat. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. so do you or do you not know? Yeah. No what? No, I mean it. It was exactly as you said, like a sentimental beat. Like, do you not know? Do you know? Whether she's for or against him. Oh, I, I think it can be both. I think you could do a thing and then still feel bad about mm-hmm. it. Or, you know, feel connected to someone even if they're a horrible person. Like, yeah, there's nothing course. wrong with Yeah. Yeah. And if they're family, of course. You're exactly. Going, you're going just to like, fuck, gravitate you know? towards them mm-hmm. no matter what. I mean, considering the rest of the series and Angela's history with her family... It is very poignant 
in retrospect, but upon watching it first time, I didn't really get anything. I didn't get any warm and fuzzies. I was just kind of like, yeah, she's putting him in the car because she has to go take him to the station. See, I, I got warm and fuzzies just because it's it's the close up of her face while she's carrying him in. Yeah, it's like, oh, exactly. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't but know, like, she I don't like I don't... conflicted to me because she's kind of like, here's this old dude telling me he's his, my fucking granddad and I got to go arrest him. And it's like, God, what a pain in my ass. So yeah, I, yeah, I can. All right, I can kind of see that, but for me, it was more of the, well, you're my granddad, you asshole. Because that's <laughs> yeah. that. I think that vibes more with the familial vibes for me. No, personally. you're probably right. I <laughs> I tend like... to have wrong reactions to a lot of things. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So I, I mean, will Dor- say, she does. Uh, you know, she does later on kind of get very. I because I think Angela. Like, later on, we learn about her history with family. And I think uh, she kind of closes herself off to the idea of family, despite the fact that she has Calvin and she has, like, the three kids. I think there's a part of her that's very closed off to family. And to have this person come in and sort of shatter that expectation that she's like, well, I'm fine. I have my family now. I don't need my family then is kind of, like, for her, it's it's sort of this... It's almost like when um, the captain dies. It's kind of this sudden violent oh captain by captain intrusion into her into her shields and now she kind of has to deal with it yeah and maybe she doesn't deal with it the best way no no like her her reaction is fuck it i'm gonna arrest you because i don't want to see you i don't want to be around you i don't want to deal with this oh totally not i agree but yes subconsciously when she puts him in the car she is kind of having that moment of like oh i'm holding my granddad (laughs) <laughs> like fuck. Oh, my granddad's be cold <laughs> I got a 105 old granddad he's going to jail he has uh, an Uber yeah, so that is where the episode ends with uh, Will getting abducted which is great yeah and um, <laughs> she is left with a slip of paper yeah that... so it does tie back to the beginning of the episode because it the does. paper that falls out of the car on its way off to god knows where is the paper that he's had this entire time which mm-hmm. is funnily enough his only connection to his family which yeah. is this paper that his father got when he was in world war one that is saying hey you should come join the germans because the americans are treating you like shit <laughs> and then his father scribbled the words watch over this boy when he obviously left yeah. him clark kent style or Superman style. Kal-El? That's his name. Kal-El, Kal-El. style in, yeah. in the fucking spaceship. And did you know the song that they left the uh, the episode on? It's a Beastie Boys song, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the song was called? No. It's called the Eggman. Oh, from yeah, Paul... I think you told me that the first time. And yeah, I was from like, Paul's is this the guy boutique. from Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> no, it was from Paul's Boutique, one of the best Ooh. albums ever. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it just, the episode, I'm so hyped about this episode because it right. was so done perfectly. So, I was going to say final thoughts on this episode, but obviously you've started this off, so you might as well continue with your thought. Yeah, that's my thought. <laughs> that's it. You just enjoyed the episode? Yeah, egg cooked. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Christian? <laughs> uh, I, le- I, I, first time watching it, very confused. This time around, I see how the threads tie together better. Um, I, th- I like the hook at the ends. Um, I like the original story they're coming up with a lot more now than I did before. Um, so I overall enjoyed it. Still very confused how everything comes together, though. Mm. Um, and I think it, I think it'll do a better. I, I think I'll be in it for the long haul, seeing the threads, uh, you know, kind of connect and stuff. And and recapping it with you guys uh, shows me a lot of things I missed. So I think you're really cool. going to enjoy the next episode. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's like mine to write. It ties yeah. in a lot to the original Watchmen, so I think mm-hmm. for you especially, that'll be satisfying. Yeah, like, I'm, it's unhealthy how much I kind of love the Watchmen series. I don't know That's why, right. too. That's like, probably why you and Rob get along. It's a, it's a good comic. Come on. It is. And I thought the Snyder movie did a great job, which well, the I don't say that much about, about Snyder. I actually agree with you. People got mad because it was like a shot-for-shot like, basically a shot-for-shot movie remake, of the comic. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I agree with I you. I like that a lot. But I think no, people I would have also gotten mad if he had done kind of what they did with this, where it's almost an interpretation of the material. or in their, they, they call it a remix. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, this upends um, it. Yeah. I don't think it upends it so much as it sort of... It, what? I think it, it, it does a good job of staying true to the soul of the comic while modernizing it and while sort of going into directions that maybe Alan Moore just ignored like sexism, like racism, like politics mm. in, in certain areas that he just didn't care about. Cause I, I will I've... say one of the big criticisms against, I don't know all of his work, but definitely Watchmen is kind of the way that women are treated, the way the LGBTQ community is treated and the way that um, black people are treated. Because as far as I know, I don't think there are any black people in Watchmen. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Oh no, no, there's the excuse me the um the news uh the news seller right. Oh, the newsstand guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. But uh, I agree with you on that sense. Um, I think Alan was always great at um at pointing out the problems with the institutions and why anarchy he was always in favor of, but yeah, he of never gave a shit about the actual characters. That was always a big issue with Alan Moore's creations um yeah he, I mean, he doesn't he kind do a of, good job of he he's very ozymandias in that sense where it's like he creates all the players on the stage and then he doesn't really give a shit like they're just going to follow his script and that's that and it doesn't matter what their agency is it doesn't matter what their opinions are it doesn't matter in what context they exist he's like no this is your part and you'll play it this is your part and you'll play it this is your part and you'll play it and it's all going to be burn. for my ending meme yeah, and he'll burn whoever he wants. Exactly. Because as far as he can, he, but that's that's kind of the beauty I think about Alan Moore too is stop complimenting Alan Moore. Well, no, no, like the thing I think the th- I the thing that he, he gets across is that we're all the person in the fucking flames here. Yeah. That's that's life, mm-hmm. and that's why he's a piece of shit. But at the same time, you need people like that occasionally. That's why I'm like, it's love why you, you but, love man. writers like that. But you're kind of like, all right, I'll take a step back. Yeah, just I I I need a little bit more hope, especially now. Yeah. Jesus Christ, especially now. So. <laughs> yeah, I can't help you in that area. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're wrapping this up right now. Any last thoughts, Norton? Do you like this second episode? I do like it. Um, I do. Again, like I said, I do enjoy that the pace is rather steady. So. 
it's not i mean it's nine episodes so if you have an episode that drags in nine episodes then you should probably get the fuck out of the room because it's terrible yeah. you should be able to write like a nice pacing show in nine episodes it shouldn't be that hard <laughs> true true that um i like that you know we get a little bit more with ozymandias i do feel like he kind of breaks the he he broke up the show a little differently this time than he did the first time. He you want to up. break up the show, though. That's the thing. You don't want, like, all serious, serious, serious. Ozymandias and... No, I, you... I understand why he's there. I said it in yeah. the first podcast. That's why he was designed. His story is designed to be like the pirate ship thing in Watchmen. Yeah, and like I think he's cleanser. comedic. That's the thing. Like, he's yeah, it's actually a comedy. I mean, I don't know. it's not really funny because it's super fucking dark and you know how i feel about that i think it's funny but yeah you yeah. would because you're a fucking psycho <laughs> okay fair enough anyway but yeah so i mean it's... no sorry actually i guess it does kind of break it up because i mean breaks it up at a good point because it, it happens exactly after she finds the clan robe so as soon yeah. as she sort of has that oh shit moment that's when we trip on yeah that's when it's kind of like full full steam ahead because the painting is the transition in this case it is when he when she leaves the house after finding the clan robe and she walks past the painting they pan they tighten on the painting and that's what transitions us to Mm -hmm. ozymandias on a horse eating from what is apparently a tomato tree oh okay yeah it's fucking weird uh but anyway Uh, that leads into the whole weird, you know, play that he does and then obviously murder somebody. Like, I, I kind of took the Ozymandias stuff as almost a, a little mini mystery that's going on. Okay. Where okay. it's like, I don't see it as comic relief because, again, yeah. I don't have that fucked up sense of humor. Even though I do have a <laughs> fucked up sense of humor, but not in this yeah. case. Not <laughs> no, my kind I of like sense it, of humor. But, but uh, yeah. I do see it as like, okay, here's another mystery aside from the main mystery we have. Mm-hmm. And how is this going to tie into, if it does, how is it going to tie into the larger story that we're looking at? Mm-hmm. Okay, sweet. Christian, uh, what did you take away from this? We just oh, covered I, I this. said it already. Yeah, that, that's all three of us. <laughs> that's everybody, dude. Pay attention. No, I mean, I'm, I'm asking, like, is there anything particular that you liked about this episode? I just yeah, did I mean, this. Uh, yeah, like the... The, the tie with Ozzy and Andy's at the end with the Manhattan stuff and how it ties to the original and then um the uh the Regina Knight's story you know oh Regina Knight okay now we're he just conflated Regina King and Sister Knight which was amazing Sister Knight, yeah. did I really mix oh my god I that's just... all right that's all right. it's that okay awesome. it's okay you know what Regina Knight would be such a badass she does name. embody that character beautifully I can I can definitely understand where you would just sort of be like that's who she is now. That's a, like either Sister Knight or Regina Knight. Either way, that's a beautiful name. I kind of just mentally have combined the two officially in this series. But anyway, I so, I will say that this series, um, watching it at least once, uh, is beautiful. It's only because Norton, you said that I'm going to like the third episode that I'm writing for. This one. No, I was talking to Christian. Oh. I said Christian would like the third episode. Oh, okay. I really want to watch the third episode okay. now because I literally don't know what's about to happen. I have no idea what's about to happen either. Because... Yes, you do. You watch this. 
Yeah, I'm kidding. Jesus fucks in mean, half. Do you take like too, mental bleach nothing. when you finish a show? What? <sighs> Never mind. I had no idea what you were <laughs> All saying. Right. We, the, we're done. We've covered the episode. We've covered everybody's feelings. Yes. Let's end Yay. this. Norton well, out. <laughs> Norton is out. <laughs> I will quit it out, too. Um, we are the Workprint, and you are listening to the Workprint. Christian, bow yourself out. And oh, uh, please, yeah. please, I implore you to uh, just grant or bless everybody with your links as well. <laughs> I was like, what are you leading up to? Oh, I was just going to say real quickly, um, all three of us write at theworkprint.com. Go there, read our stuff, and uh, obviously tune into the podcast. Available pretty much everywhere podcasts are available now. Um, I think that's it. Uh, if you want to find me personally, Exxon underscore Angelus on Instagram, Twitter, Christian Angelus Writer on Facebook. All right. We're done. All right.